Hi, everyone. Thanks for turning up. Actually, I'm glad to see some familiar faces. That means that some of our volunteers didn't have enough yet. Anyway, uh, as Nigel said, I'll be reviewing the work done by Tethys Research Institute over 15 years in the Eastern Ionian Sea. We are focusing our research into species, the common dolphin, Dolphinus delphis, and bottlenose dolphins, Turceps truncatus. Common dolphins in the Mediterranean, they were abandoned until the 1960s and 70s, but unfortunately, now they're rare in most of the basin. And as you will see during this presentation, in the case of Greece, some of uh, these disappearances is quite critical. This species included in the appendix one of the Convention for Migratory Species, is listed as endangered by the UCN Red List since year 2003, greatly due to the work of Ricardo Anan in Spain and, and our own work in Greece. Borelnus dolphins are the most common species in coastal waters, and they survive at low densities and in fragmented populations, while in the past they used to have a continuous distribution in coastal waters in the Mediterranean basin. They are also in the European Habitat Directive in Annex 2, and they have been proposed as vulnerable by the UCN Red List since year 2006. As I said, Tethys Research Institute is doing different research projects, although I'm here today to talk about our work in the Eastern Ionian Sea, where we started since 1991. Actually, when I say we, I refer to Tethys, to Tethys Research Institute. I, I'm not that old yet. <laughs> so we are working in two study areas, in the area of Calamos and its surrounding waters, we started, again, we Tethys Research Institute. In year 1991, our research is focused into species, the ones I introduced you already, the common dolphins and bottlenose dolphins. In year 2001, we started some preliminary research and data collection in the Gulf of Ambracicos. Since 2006, we are working at full speed and year-round thanks to the support done by Earthwatch. So, <clears throat> what are we doing down there? What are we doing in Greece? Are we having fun? Are we working? maybe both. We like to think we're doing research. We do surveys from small boats. We do individual photo identification. Basically, what that means is that we can identify different individuals within a group based on natural marks that they have in their dorsal fin. Basically, a dorsal fin works as a fingerprint, let's say. This identification allows us to do population status and trends analysis to see how the population is doing, if it's increasing, if it's decreasing, so on. We also spend many hours during the sightings recording behavior. That's one of the main duties on board of our volunteers. Luckily enough, in Ambracicos Gulf, the population of dolphins is quite big, so it's not so unusual that we have a focal group, a group of animals that we are focusing our attention on, but there are some other dolphins in the area that we need to keep an eye on and to check if they are approaching, if they're leaving. So the composition of our groups is very fluctuating. And we need many eyes on board, really concentrated. And as they all know, I take care that they do concentrate. <laughs> we also look at interaction with fisheries in the area, at the feeding habits of the animals. Actually, on these pictures, what you see is bottlenose dolphins in the Ambracicos Gulf. When they are feeding, they, they cluster the school of fish. They push it to the surface. And that actually attracts a big flock of birds, seagulls, and, and so, that take advantage of the activity of the dolphins to prey on the, on the fish when it's pushed to the surface. During these feeding events, we can collect fish scales that remain in the water drifting after a dolphin is successful doing a good catch of fish. So we have a catalog of the dorsal fins of the potential prey available in the area, 
and therefore we can identify from those from those uh, fish scales from the fish scales that we collect we can identify in which species they're preying on this can also be confirmed by by shots like this where you can see those birds that are feeding while the dolphins are feeding taking advantage of their activity very cheeky these guys they take full credit they can take full credit for it sometimes they risk quite a lot stealing the fish from the mouth of the dolphins so shots like this allow you to confirm the identification of the species that the dolphins are preying on. Pelicans. Pelicans are uh, a main character in the Gulf of Ambracicos. It's actually Dalmatian pelicans uh, in the Gulf of Ambracicos is the only area in Europe where they are actually nesting. Sea turtles. Sea turtles are quite abundant also, and we also record notes and positions and abundance of the species. So I'm going to move now to the Kalam study area. We have done many days at sea, many hours, many kilometers of effort for over 15 years, many encounters. We record the dolphin movements, several hundreds of sightings for both species. We can look at the, the degree of residency that they show, how often they are detected in our study area for both species based on, on our photo ID work. And what we have seen is that for the, for the bottlenose dolphins, actually, this can be a bit misleading. We have a resident population of bottlenose dolphins that is about 25 animals. The numbers that you see in this graph tend to show, actually are showing a, a positive trend of increasing population, but this is, again, misleading because, strictly speaking, resident animals, we have about 25. Those animals that are tending to look like the population is doing better are transient animals, meaning that they just pop in from time to time and disappear. But strictly speaking, that's not our population, our, our resident population. The big drama, and I cannot think of another situation that suits better the definition of a drama, is the dramatic disappearance of common dolphins in the area. If I'm here today, it's because I was lucky enough 10 years ago to, to see Calamos as, a, as it was just a decade ago, a natural paradise where people like us studying dolphins will feel at home. Today, the situation has changed, and we passed off from 120 animals in 1995 to about 15 only in the year 2007. Last year, five months of effort looking for dolphins, for common dolphins and bottlenose dolphins, were resulted in only three sightings of common dolphins out of five months of intensive work. This decline has been presented, has been manifested also in tunas and swordfishes in the area. So basically, why these two, species, these two species decline at such a, a fast pace? What you see here, that graph on the left, is showing the, the landings of the fisheries in Greek waters. There is a peak in year 1994, and then a clear collapse and dramatic decline, drastic decline on fish captures in the area. This increase from late 70s to mid-90s is a result of an input, modernization of the fishing fleet, the fishing boats and the fishing techniques getting more effective until they reach such a level that then the fish stocks collapsed and now clearly the fisheries are not sustainable. This is a situation in Greece, but don't get me wrong, this is worldwide, this is a worldwide issue. So as Ricardo was saying before as, 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 as answer to one of your questions, now fisheries are targeting fish that are lower in the food chain, so basically the few large fish remaining are in deeper trouble because of both reasons. Industrial fisheries targeting them, but also a reduce on the ability of their, of their prey because of fisheries shifting down on marine food webs targeting. 
So to make it simple, what happened here? Common dolphins, swordfishes, and tunas share the same species. By removing from the ecosystem the sardines, they vanished. To evaluate properly the situation and the impact of local fisheries in the area, we started last year a monitoring. We have been monitoring on a monthly basis the 16 ports and landing sites in the area, all of them. We have a detailed catalog of all the actual, the whole fleet is photographed uh, we have a photography shot, is basically the same principle that we use for dorsal fins, but for boats. We have a detailed catalog of all the fleet. We know how long are the boats, we know which gear they're using, how often they go out at sea. It's quite intensive work, but it was worthy. We also check their landings, how much fish they're catching on how much of each species, to check for the impact that they are actually having. And we came out with this. This was presented uh, just a week ago in, in the European Cetacean Society conference. Basically, what you see here and in the video, that in the documentary that is coming afterwards, um, much more detailed information will come on this. But just to make it brief, there are industrial fisheries, poor seining and big trawlers, basically, that are removing much more fish, much more biomass from the ecosystem than the whole artisanal fleet. By artisanal fleet, we mean small boats, no longer than 12 meters, working with nets and, and, and long lines, that are fully sustainable in their activities, but they are struggling as much as common dolphins in this case to being able to sustain their families. So 10 porseiners, we have estimated that 10 porseiners active in the area year round are removing 1,150 tons of fish per year. Occasionally they, they do illegal fishing activities by setting their nets too close to shore, which results on these huge amounts of Posidonia beds being removed from the ecosystem, and they are very important in terms of ecosystem functioning. An occasional bycatch and entanglement on, on fishing gear. This is something very occasional. This is not the main threat, but it was worth it to, to be pointed out. So in Ambrakikos, the situation is completely different. We have done also extensive work in the past years. Again, thanks to you guys. Plenty of sightings, many hours recording behavior, many hours of a crazy Spaniard screaming to our volunteers. <laughs> Plenty of sightings of sea turtles. And we came out with a figure. We came out with a population estimate of 148 animals. Trust me, that's what we have. <laughs> Basically, this is one of the highest density, if not the highest density for this species in the Mediterranean Sea, which makes Ambrakikos such a unique place. Why such a high dolphin density? Basically, there's no porseining, there's no trolling, there's no industrial fishing in the area. Only artisanal fisheries are allowed. And we have a very productive, highly productive ecosystem, which, as you will see now, is also causing trouble because of that, and eutrophic. Uh, there is a continuous input of chemical products that are deriving, that are causing the ecosystem actually of running out of oxygen. So sardines play an important role in the diet of, of local Boronos dolphins, as we saw during those events and collecting fish scales while the dolphins are feeding. There's plenty of sardines in the ecosystem. Because of that increasing eutrophism, the biodiversity of fish, the different species have been reduced, but sardines are doing really well, and so are doing the dolphins feeding on them. We have two species of sardines, one with a low market value but very tasty, and another one with no no value at all, but when they are fish in, in large quantities, they are, sell, they are sold to uh, local fish firms to feed the, the fish that they are harvesting. So there has been a decline, as I said, 
own biodiversity and on commercial, commercially valuable species. This is, again, result of that trophication, which is worryingly resorting in bottom anoxy. Basically, the water is running out of oxygen. So why is this going on? In Ambrakikos, we have basically a natural swimming pool. The opening to the open sea used to be 700 meters wide. Now, as a result of the building of this new marina, new marina 10 years ago, still new, now the mouth of the Gulf has been reduced to 350 meters wide, which is not much. And the deepest point is about 22 meters. So as you see in that picture here, this is literally a swimming pool, which makes it an ideal natural laboratory to monitor other variables and to model what's going on with the species and how they are reacting at environmental changes. Also, the input of fresh water in the system has been reduced because of damming and to irrigate harvest. There is a, a high pollution in the waters because the, these two rivers are, are coming from the largest cities in the area with no sewage treatment at all. And in the northern shore, there is intensive farming of pigs and harvesting and so on. So there are lots of fertilizers and nitrates that are coming straight to the Gulf also through these two rivers. Again, and through its untreated city sewage, uh, excuse me, untreated sewage and uh, residual waters is the main issue in terms of that eutrophism. Obviously, fish farming is not contributing positively, positively to the ecosystem because we have these facilities that are generating further organic matter that keeps being released in such a closed system that this doesn't make much sense to me. Also, we have traffic of, of cargoes delivering petrol up and down the Gulf because at the end of the Gulf, in the further east side of the Gulf, there is a containing facility for I don't know how many tons of petrol to provide petrol to the rest of the communities around the Gulf. I don't even want to imagine what would happen if one of these boats ever has a leak or a problem and there is an oil spill in the, in the area. Certainly that would be the end. Dolphins interact with fish farms in both areas, in Ambrakikos and in Calamos. They actually don't rip out the, the nets or the cages of the, of, the, of the fish farms, but when the guys working in the fish farms are dropping the pellets to feed the fish, they are attracting, those pellets are attracting other wild fish, and dolphins take advantage of that, clever guys. Occasionally, they cause dolmage damage to the nets, and we are uh, checking that out with interviews to fishermen and observations on board. Obviously, that's a bigger issue in Ambrakikos because in Calamos, there are no many more dolphins left to cause such a damage. The point is that we want to defend here is the long-term studies of high-order marine predators, such as dolphins, are extremely useful for, to identify conservation problems. And again, this such of long-term research cannot be sustained, cannot be carried out without support of the organizations such as Earthwatch. So in terms of management solutions in the, in the area of Calamos, fisheries management measures are urgently needed. In Ambrakikos, the other way around, priority should be done to readdress the situation in terms of pollution and water circulation. So this work has resulted in many papers, uh, reports, presentations in conferences, which make us look very good, but there is a risk. There is a risk of this ending up on wet paper, basically, on conservation on paper, and we don't want that to happen. Science is a tool, but it's not the only variable that we have to consider when, when dealing with conservation. For instance, for common dolphins, they're vanishing. Conservation on paper won't stop their decline. Concrete action is needed and is needed now. So again, for, to find management solution and to actually get 
an active solution and something implemented. We produce our reports, our scientific papers, we apply pressure from the top down to the managing people, politicians, and so on. But it is essential, really essential, to, look with, to work with local communities and stakeholders. In that sense, it's needed education, public awareness, involvement of local communities, and the media helps a lot to spread the message. So we are working with local fishermen. Don't forget that local fishermen, they are the ones that know better the history of both study areas or any study areas that we can deal with. They are the ones that have been there forever or since ever. And you know, it's very difficult that they don't know much better than, again, that crazy Spaniard that came three years ago and started to ask questions and, and, and go around with an inflatable with many people on board. We organized Dolphin Day events, again, to share, to try to awake the local communities about the need of preserving what they have. It's quite frustrating to see that local communities, in some cases, don't realize how rich they are, how lucky they are of living in a place like Bonitza, the village where we are based, in front of the, the waters of the Barquicos Gulf with such a high density of dolphins, such a diversity of seabirds. You just name it, amazing. We do also presentations to local schools. Basically, if you manage to distinguish which one of these two is a dolphin, then you are in the right track. <laughs> Here is another example of the presentations of a sort of a higher level for more grown-up students, making clear which threats the, the dolphins, the cetaceans, are, are facing in our areas. And we get them to get their hands dirty a little bit. We, we want them to realize that when they throw a bag of crisps in the water or in the sea, they realize that someone has to, to take care of cleaning that, otherwise it's going to stay there forever, which unfortunately is what happens more often. We support local initiatives. Actually, last Saturday there was a big manifestation organized by local fishermen calling an SOS for the Embraki Coast Gulf. Basically, just to give you an idea, just a month ago, the Greek authorities have declared there are many mussel farms facilities, I mean, places where they are harvesting mussels. And a month ago, the Greek authorities have prohibited the consume of those mussels because of their toxicity. Obviously, that's very worrying, and the fishermen are the ones that are more involved in these movements, and it has been a pleasure to discuss with them, to listen to them, to invite them to reflect, to identify the reasons. Actually, it's so simple, because when you sit with them, you have a beer, someone has to do it. <laughs> then you, you, you see how much they know about it. There's no reason, there's, there's no need for us to point out what's the problem. They know it. Why don't they do anything about it? That's, that's another question. Anyway, we also produce, produce educational materials that are online, short videos, again, to try to awake that sort of sensibility. We have created a booklet that is in a PDF in our website, can be downloaded for free. Obviously, it's available in Greek, which is the main issue for us, but it's in English, in Italian, in German, eventually in Spanish and in Catalan. And basically, we are now printing uh, several hundreds of these booklets that will be supportive material for local teachers. Again, I want to emphasize how important it is to work with the future generations. It's not so important how we can help today, but how we can ensure that those kids are going to be able of seeing in a future what we are able of seeing today or a much improved situation. The answer is on the, the future is on, on those kids. For, for more grown-ups, 
guys, for fishermen and so on, it's much more difficult to convey that message. They are used to, to live in a certain way. They have certain habits. I'm not saying that we don't pay attention to them, but the answer is in the future generations. What, what's ahead of us now? We are, thanks to Earthwatch, actually, last year we had a team of volunteers, one of those, uh, a team of volunteers that all of them were teachers. A place within that team was granted to a local teacher by Earthwatch. So she had the experience of working as a volunteer, working for more than a week with us. And this has been an inflection point in our activities with the local community. She has become such a believer, let's say. She has been essential to create activities in local schools. Actually, this year, some of the volunteers that will be coming over to our base will be interacting and will be discussing stuff with local children. I want the local children to come to our base to ask questions to the volunteers, obviously with proper translation, but I want them to realize that there's people coming from all over the world to enjoy Ambrakikos, to appreciate its richness. So they realize that, you know, there's something worthy to fight for. Also, those guys will be presenting, will be developing a project that at the end of the year, themselves will be presenting to the rest of the kids in the area. So again, it won't be that crazy Spaniard and its colleagues who will be presenting and saying the, the greatness of Ambrakikos, but it will be this, the very same kids that they are sharing the classroom with, the ones that will tell them what's going on and what needs to be readdressed. So don't get me wrong, this is not about conservation of dolphins. This is about conservation of a whole ecosystem, a way of life that has been going on for many centuries. Greek culture has been linked to the sea since sever. Over 60% of the coastline of the Mediterranean be belongs to Greek territory because of those hundreds of thousands of islands that the Greeks have. So it's such a pity that they don't realize how important it is to, to fight for this way of life. And again, a society that is, relies so much in the sea is now paying the consequences of neglecting such issues, but we still have time to, to try to readdress. I really think that the small gestures, the small changes on attitudes are things that, that will deal, will lead to big changes. And I really think that that's Earthwatch is all about, providing information, giving a good experience, and just help you to reflect and, and, and wonder what we can do about it. So this is it. I want to, to thank the different supporters that we have had in the past years. And again, I invite you to stay for 15 minutes more to see this documentary that has been done by Earth Ocean. You can watch it in Earth Ocean TV, uh, www.earthocean.tv. This is a series of five documentaries, five short documentaries. I'll be showing only one, the one that reflects our work in Greece. But also there is one of the episodes that is actually dealing with Anna and Ricardo and their work on marine, on, on marine protected areas. Is again, as I said, five chapters that can be downloaded from the internet, can be saved as, as podcast even, to be watched in your iPods and share and spread the word with family and friends and get things changed. Thank you very much.